0: Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks. I'm Josh Molina, and I'm here with Ed France, the Executive Director of Leading From Within. How are you, Ed? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. Great. I appreciate you taking time. I've known you for a long time, and you've been quite the prominent bicycle advocate for a long time, and done a lot of really great work for the bicycle community, a lot of great advocacy, and you're out there riding your bike. I've seen you a lot over the years. And uh, doing some volunteer work with the Transportation and Circulation Committee. But now you have this new role as Executive Director of Leading from Within. And I just kind of wanted to talk to you. Tell me about what you do there and about your transition into this new area of life.
1: Yeah, thanks for asking. It's been an interesting transition. I didn't think early on in my life that I would be in the nonprofit or social sector. And I've spent the last decade with the Bike Coalition Really trying to figure out how to run a nonprofit organization, how to affect change, and uh, and how to support a team doing that. Haven't done all of it right. <laughs> a lot of lessons along the way, and actually, about partway through, uh, six years ago, I did a program called Courage to Lead, which totally changed the dynamic for me, and put me in a place where I really felt both the confidence and, to a degree, like the serenity to do what can be kind of psychologically difficult work. And so anyway, this, this program was developed, uh, Courage to Lead was one of the first leadership development programs of Leading from Within, which also does a Leading for Community Impact, Emerging Leaders Program, and also uh, hosts the Katherine Harvey Fellows. So there's these four different leadership development programs in the community. I'd been a part of it and always really kind of intrigued about the idea of supporting the social sector more broadly I am not an expert in social sector leadership, but I am somebody who's kind of given it a go and tried to do their best and learned primarily the hard way, you know, a few different lessons. And there's this opportunity now. I'm the first full-time executive director for the organization. The organization has grown a lot in the last 10 years and is really kind of looking at the next stages of growth for the upcoming decade. And the question of how we can foster a healthier social sector it's a really cool one to sink your teeth into.
0: So tell me about what you learned when you took that first seminar or workshop. What sort of leadership light bulbs went off in
1: your head that you didn't know about ahead of time? So what was kind of funny is I was actually just out visiting one of the cohorts. So the we have different groups. This is the ninth cohort or, or team. It's a group of about 20 people who participate for over a year, every season going on retreat with each other. And the funny thing is I was three or four retreats in. So I already spent almost a year doing this program. And I would still ask the question, like, what's the gimmick here? What's the angle? Like, I don't get it. Because for the Courage to Lead program, there's no instruction. There's no, like, this is the methodology for how to be a better leader. Instead, we create a space and and a supportive environment for people to really reflect as to why they do what they do and often, like, reconnect to that. So, for example, for me, I loved bicycling. And I would experienced places where that was easy. And I experienced places where that was really hard. And I had seen family members where, like, the kids can't ride because it's dangerous. And I had been able to go out with, like, a big group and have super fun kind of experiences. And you realize, like, some people are effectively, like, denied that ability because of where they live. And for me, like, there's this core joy that I thought that people should have. And what's funny is doing the actual work and engaging in the advocacy, that impulse, like, I kind of forgot, like, why I even got into it in the first place. Similarly, what are my gifts, right? Like, what am I good at? Primarily, I try to be good at communicating. I'm not the best administrator, right? I'm not the best a lot of things. But actually, getting back in tune with what am I good at? What am I trying to offer the world? So instead of trying to be the leader that maybe I feel people are telling me or suggesting that I be, how can I be the leader that deeply like i think that i really should aspire to be so we create this setting where i think certainly for me and and certainly you know in talking to a lot of my other alumni where else in life do you get to reflect that deeply on like your passion for what you do and like kind of refire that flame so
0: what did you find
1: when you thought about
0: that why did you originally set out to be an activist what did you rediscover through
1: that process I've never intended to be an activist, but I like games and I like puzzles and challenges. And how do we as a community get together to make collective decisions? And actually, Santa Barbara, I think, does things in a pretty healthy way. But that doesn't mean that's not extremely bureaucratic and confusing and frustrating. But it's better than the other options. You know, like what's the like Churchill quote? Like democracy is the, the worst choice after this, 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 and that. It's the least bad choice, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, we come together and we, like, air out our different opinions and, like, we hash it out and then we make a collective decision we move forward. I was always really kind of intrigued by how that worked. That's what I studied in college, you know, from an environmental studies lens. How does government work and how do we make decisions? So if we have a problem, how do we correct? And so just the pretty simple thing of, like, we have these roadways that we manage and we make decisions about them every year in terms of what the budget is, in terms of how they're going to be striped. You know, I spent, like, Actually, since 2003, you know, since college, I would go to meetings where they made these type of decisions just because I found it kind of interesting and also because I had an opinion. And to be able to try to make a contribution at the same time that I'm trying to learn something about how the world works was for me kind of this interesting intersection. I can enrich myself intellectually at the same time that I can kind of offer a gift. I think that when people can bike, Um, our communities are healthier, not just for the individuals, but I think the neighborhoods are, you know, more closely linked. I think that, like, uh, you know, the quality of life improves. There's so many benefits. And so how can I just go to bat for that? And so when I was getting bogged down with, like, we have a lot of different staff and they have different needs and, you know, we have to do all of this nonprofit grant writing and, and, you know, record keeping and, and all the administrative stuff that comes with having an organization, um, I could just go back to, oh yeah, I have this passion for, for solving puzzles and helping you know, advocate for something that I think is a gift.
0: Well, you certainly carved out a good reputation in town and I know at the Board of Supervisors you were honored with that proclamation and that must have felt pretty good. what can, you can, go, can I interrupt Say, Yeah. My, go ahead.
1: Thank you for yeah. my favorite part of that. Yeah. Is that the fact that I got this, this proclamation that says, while at times a thorn in our side.
0: <laughs> that's a compliment because you, you definitely want to be a thorn in their side because that's the only way that you can push these leaders to make some changes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, your organization is called Leading from Within. So, w- w- what does it take to be a good leader? From your perspective, there's there's a million ideas for that, and it's simplified. But what are some great leadership traits?
1: Uh, I, I'd say the number one leadership trait that comes to mind is self awareness, because basically, you know, leadership just within your family, just within you know whatever, like any interaction that we have in life, you know, at work, not not even being like like the, the boss, per se, of an organization. But just at any level, like we execute leadership when we're helping get everybody together and get, get fired up or take responsibility for anything. But when we take responsibility for things, when we make mistakes or if we aren't approaching things in a healthy way, we're making things worse for people. And the reality about leadership is... You can make things better for people, but you're also going to make things worse, right? There's a shadow side and a light side to everything. And so the most important thing is, I think, self-awareness because that's the only way that you can correct. The only way you can really be of benefit to people is when you can reflect on what you're doing, why you're doing it, and uh, and and really just take an honest look at like what the impacts are of, of your decisions.
0: So does that speak to the leader who pounds the drum and shouts and says that you need to change and you need to do things this way, uh, is that not a complete leader? Because part of self-awareness is understanding your best ways to to connect with people. How how does self-awareness specifically help somebody be a better leader when they're in the throes of battling with whatever
1: institution or government or organization? I think the number one way that self-awareness is helpful is interpersonally. So um, like you and I, right? Like uh, I, I had a, you know, probably a bad initial impression with you and I reached out, I was like, you know, I really, the way that you're phrasing this, like I kind of disagree with, you know, none of you were wrong, but I felt that, you know, I would have framed it differently. Of course I was like an interested party, right? Um, but I, being so fired up because I was there and because I was pushing for something, um, probably was a little bit, but could have been a total jerk about it, you know? And I could have been like, Josh Molina, like, you just don't get it, or you just don't care about bicyclists, or something like that, right? Uh Which which emotionally, you know, if a a city council meeting didn't go the way I wanted it, that may be how I felt, but I also have the, the capacity to look at that and be like, well, is that, I know how that's how I feel right now, but is that really what's going on? Right. Or just, you know, anytime you're talking with like another stakeholder, um, sometimes you just, <laughs> uh, sometimes you're not bringing your best self to it, but if you can just step back and realize like, well, am I bringing my best self to this interaction right now? And where is this person at? Am I even curious about why they're engaged in this? Um, cause I don't know, it's really easy not to ask those questions. But when you do ask questions about why you're where you're at yourself and then wonder where somebody else is at, all of a sudden the conversation can really shift because you're showing respect to them. You care about where they're coming from. And I mean, I think just that alone, if we could do more of that, these sort of great debates and kind of polarized problems would really start to be less less challenging.
0: Yeah, it's super important because that's what you see that's what gets the attention is people demanding things people 100 percent sure that their perspective is the correct one and refusing to self-identify some areas to improve on but also just even if you are right if you come across as right and you're not listening you're not going to convince that person of your perspective because they'll be defensive and so that's that's sort of interesting and. That's one of the things that is impressive about you is that you seem like a really good listener and you're sort of trying to examine all of it at once and trying to figure out how everyone can stand in the same room and get along. So we talk about self-awareness. What else is a good leadership
1: quality? So I think taking the long view on something, um, we, we want change, like, okay, that's, this is the big thing for people who are not, which I, I guess I became like a professional advocate, right? And and part of that is, you know how the game works, and basically, like, any public process question is, is a question of years. And then, um, you know, I work with people uh, in their neighborhood, and they want something, they want something right now. In fact, they're thinking... I bet if, if these guys could, you know, get there, get it in gear, that we could have this in two months. There's no way, like, a public works project is going to happen in two months from, like, an idea. You know what I mean? It's just, as an insider, I can say, like, that's absurd. But I can't tell somebody in their neighborhood that what they want is, like, two months out. And so, um, and to a lot of activists, kind of like you're, you're bringing up the example of just the the person who's out there just de- demanding change. Um, the long game is where you're going to get wins. And um, the, the biggest thing I can kind of say is, are you supporting yourself to do what you're passionate about over the longer term, not a year and then get burned out and move on? And, and so when I say like long term, think about there's so many positions, especially in nonprofits, that the joke is, Oh yeah, this is a uh, one or two year position because people cycle out like for a few different executive director roles, for a lot of different d- project manager roles or development director roles, like it's almost impossible to retain people, right? And what's what's the problem there? Primarily people aren't supported and they're getting burned out. And both as organizations and as individuals, like for ourselves, how can we support ourselves so that we can do something over the long term? Because I think especially with activism People get fired up and then they feel like they aren't seeing results and then they're out. And not only does that not like accomplish much, but there's so much negative sentiment there. So um, that was the one big thing for me is like with the Bike Coalition and BC Centro. I'm just going to try to stick with something for as long as it takes to see some results. And the thing was, it took a long time, you know, and it'll take more time, but um, I'm really proud that and I'm, I'm really appreciative of the help I got to stick around and do something over a longer term.
0: What about this point in time that we're at here in Santa Barbara? What, what is your take? We have, in some ways, we're really slow. Uh, we're behind the times. People totally. who come to this town or think it's sleepy. And why isn't there this or that or these services? On the other hand, people who have been here a while, we kind of like it to be laid back and not sort of this hub of everything that you might see in a big city because we, we don't want the traffic and we don't yeah. want all the congestion and we don't want all these things and that's why we're here. What is your take on Santa Barbara in 2020? What are, what are our strengths and what are our growth areas in the context of the work that you do and making change and helping to shape a new generation of leaders?
1: Oh Santa Barbara. Um I love how we have this different mix of almost like caricatures like in my in my imagination Josh I I want to like create like a cartoon show of Santa Barbara with all <laughs> the different Because they're cartoons, I could, you know, make fun of the idea without making fun of any individuals. But I've (laughs) thought
0: in many of the city council meetings I've covered, I've thought of how great it would be to do sort of the uh, comedy central show where you just like put up the bubbles of what they're really thinking or saying or you comment about what's really happening. Because there are so many characters and there's this this world that so many people present and then as a journalist, there's the world that is real, that is behind the scenes.
1: <laughs> and it's it's just so fascinating. But the key is, it all has to work together. Which, okay, which is, I think, the coolest thing about Santa Barbara, is that we, for all of our eccentricities, we're a, a city that actually is, in, f- in many ways, we're not diverse, right? But actually, compared to most Southern California, as a city, we are socioeconomically diverse. You know, mm-hmm. um, in a lot of communities, there's only uh, kind of there's kind of segregated by income and people are kind of commuting in you know and then we have that by neighborhood here and um and i think that we do have like this interesting mix of like old money and uh people who are like you know working poor and just scraping by and like how people survive on you know kind of lower level incomes here in like the most expensive one of the most expensive cities like uh you know there's there's this uh there's all these young people coming in from, like, you know, Westmont and UCSB and Santa Barbara City College, no more Brooks, you know. Um, but uh, – and then there's all this new, like, young tech uh, companies coming in, right? And that's, uh, that's, like, just a different, you know, vibe. But we've always had, you know, all the engineers out in Goleta, you know. And there's some amazing, like, the mental, like, firepower, you know, of, of all the different companies, that have like, come out of Santa Barbara is kind of fascinating. Culturally, right, with UCSB especially, but, like, all the different theaters that we have, like, there's just more going on in Santa Barbara than, I would say, just about any other city of 100,000 people. Um, so there's just all these different things that are true at the same time that, like, overlap, but actually for a lot of people, like, they don't actually see how they overlap because I think there are also pockets that are a little insular. Um, like, for a diverse city, there are a lot of people who don't experience that that diversity just in their day-to-day life and they're also you know one of the challenges of santa barbara being such a magnet is that there's always new people coming in who are making santa barbara their home and good for them Um, but what's always kind of funny is when people are like freshly in santa barbara and like talking about how it should change i think that's where like you know like i've now been in santa barbara for 20 years you know came for college and never left like like a lot of us um, and like I get it, I get that sort of like uh, <laughs> you kind of like it shouldn't be the seniority thing, but it kind of is too. Of right. like, well, you haven't been here long enough to yet like push this agenda.
0: Yeah, I mean, people say there's nothing to do in Santa Barbara. Right. You hear that. Oh, my God. You know, why don't we have more housing? What kind of questions you hear from new people? What do they ask you about what's wrong or what Santa Barbara should be or what are the questions they have? They want more scooters downtown. They want more e-bikes downtown. What do they see that we don't
1: have? Yeah, it's definitely transportation. I I think it's like especially the tech folks want just a lot more dynamic change like really immediately as if we're Santa Monica or downtown San Francisco and because that's the vibe that they feel like we should just be innovative and things should just be like changing and we should be on the cutting edge which is just not at all what kind of the the old guard wants Santa Barbara to be you know so they want to be like Pearl Chase society like we're honoring you know this like Spanish revival architectural style and uh and and that comes down to, like, you know, the curbs and the benches and nothing should change without a protracted community conversation. And, of course, everybody talks about State Street in all different ways.
0: Let's talk a little bit about transportation since that's your your yeah. expertise. How are we better in 2020 than five years ago, ten years ago? You came here 20 years ago. But in yeah. what ways can people move around uh, all modes of transportation better
1: than we used to be able to? Yeah, uh, The major change, which is... Just an economic, you know, like a market shift is, is rideshare companies like Uber and Lyft. I think that bicycling has gotten better. I think it's about to get radically better with bike share, which is happening, which is in development now for the downtown core um, with like electric bikes. Yeah. That That's going to totally change things. Um, and I think that the crosstown routes that are being developed like right now through the west side and the east side, you know, you'll be able to get through the downtown and the, the closer in residential neighborhoods on a safe route the whole way Um, and then there's this this Las Pesillas project some other big projects that are happening that are all going to be really cool but what has changed already is you don't have to drive your own car to get somewhere and so we see this I'm on the downtown parking committee and like you see this in terms of nighttime parking rates there's not as many people parking in the lots at night that's a really great thing because people come downtown to drink, right? and, and it's way better for somebody to be hiring somebody out to get them home than, than to drive drunk. I mean, this is a major problem in Santa Barbara. Like, we're one of the one of the worst offenders in terms of cities in California for, for drunk driving. It's a bad, bad thing. But beyond that, the fact that you can just get somewhere and you can always get a ride home really easily changes how we think about transportation. You know, so this is all this talk about like, well, automated cars and stuff like that, which yeah, that's gonna be interesting, but If you're somebody who doesn't want to drive all the time, the market is changing in a way that's really empowering to you. So I think that we can really embrace that, and uh, we already have. So we already have a really good share of downtown employees who are getting there not driving. It's like the national average for people coming into a town to work by car is something like eighty-five or ninety percent. Like it's it's primary, right? Santa Barbara downtown, it's like sixty-five percent, still the majority, but there's a healthy chunk of the Downtown working population that is walking, taking the bus, biking, taking a van pool, or whatever. That's part of why Santa Barbara is really cool, actually. You have a lot going on without a ton of traffic. If you went from 65% of people driving in downtown to 80 or 90%, that, you know, that 20 or 30 points means all that extra traffic queuing around trying to park. It's like the worst kind of like, you know, you're, you have to drive somewhere. And maybe the freeways got some traffic, but the worst part is when you're, like, two blocks from your destination, and you just, it just takes, like, ten minutes. And one of the things that I think people really like about Santa Barbara is it's generally not like that. You can generally get where you need to go pretty easily, and that's something that people love. That's, that's what drives people nuts in L.A. and Orange County, and we don't have that. It is probably going to get a little worse, right, um, but we can actually make it better by continuing to have more options for people. So I think that's one of the things that I'm happy about is, like, I think we have more options now and we'll have more options in the next couple years than we've ever had for people. And, again, this is one of those arguments that often was hard to articulate for people to get, but that makes it better for everybody. Yeah,
0: makes it better for
1: people who love to drive their cars in particular, right? Yeah, we used to have a snarky for the Bike Coalition, the super snarky bumper sticker, which was, if I had ridden my bike, you would be parked here.
0: <laughs> Teasing them, huh? In your new role in your new job, what kind of things are you doing on the ground day to day? Are you uh, are you leading these? They're um, not workshops, but are you are you leading these courses? Or are you talking to nonprofit leaders around town? Tell me about your day to day work.
1: Yeah, um, it's kind of meta in a sense. Okay. Uh, because i've gone from being very kind of nuts and bolts like we're doing this specific thing we're open for bc Central and people are coming in and fixing their bikes and we're making sure that we're stocked and we're making sure that the schedule is booked and all that kind of stuff um, we have a public meeting you know i'm going i'm reaching out to make sure other people are going instead for leading from within um i'm just like we as an organization are supporting nonprofit leaders social sector government as well and actually uh People who are aspiring to be aspiring to be civic leaders, that are part of the private sector, so the social sector. We're supporting them, and I'm not actually doing that directly. I'm supporting our team, and so we have right now we have three different sessions all all kind of underway. So um, we were just at Pacifica with um, Courage to Lead. Um, Catherine Harvey Fellows has been meeting. Um, uh, the Leading for Community Impact has been uh, happening up in Santa Maria, and I've gone to the different sessions just to kind of say hello to people. And and I've been checking in one-on-one with our instructors. And part of this is like, hey, help me understand how this all works. And the other part is, how can I better support you in doing your job? How do you want to see this next you know, round go? What can be improved? Because um, we have this amazing organization, um, and we want to continue to grow it. The other thing which is kind of, again, feeds into my, like, cerebral kind of, <laughs> life we're really visualizing we have 400 different alumni of our programs and what's cool is our alumni kind of speak the same language and so there's this um, been very easy and we've actually actually tried to measure and study this like how well we can build trust even if we didn't go through the same program together um, but because we're, we're all part of the same program uh, we get we gather and then can we actually build trust relatively easily and we find that we do a really good job of that like our alumni are really engaged with us Beyond, like, most leadership development programs, alumni don't stick around. But for us, they do in a really, really high proportion. So we've got this really kind of cool thing going. How can we help the Santa Barbara social sector better collaborate and innovate, really make some traction on some of these, like, intractable, you know, chronic issues that we deal with by helping activate, like, the whole sector? And that's a, I mean, that's a really abstract issue to chew on. But how cool is it? You know, leading from within—that's one of our big things that we're working on. How can we leverage the fact that we've got this whole network to try to get people out of their silos, get people out of their organizations, and you know, with the whole you know, working with all the different partners, really collaborate and make make some difference on big issues. Yeah.
0: Who are some of your leader role models over the years?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I've been always like a Gandhian non nonviolent guy. Um, so like in college, I was just all about that because that work was transformational, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Um, and I really, I really do believe that, uh, if you're trying to change something and you can reach out to somebody in an emotionally compelling way, like as a human being versus be adversarial and like take things to violence, then, um, that's when long-term benefits are going to happen. Actually, I, you know, one of the reasons that I, I took this position was how much I admire Ken Saxon, our board chair. Ken's been For the last 20 years in Santa Barbara, just really kind of plugging away, uh, supporting the Santa Barbara Foundation, supporting a lot of different efforts and always taking like fully immersed in like what's the state of the art. So going to the different lectures, going to the different like kind of leadership seminars and really trying to understand like. Who's doing it the best and what can we learn from them? And then how can we support our leaders here? So that to me is an exciting opportunity for mentorship because I'm really curious. How can I do things better? How can everybody do, do things better? How can we support them? Santa Barbara totally has this gift where there's, I mean, so many kind of local celebrities and people who come through town who are kind of at the the state of the art of whatever their field is. And so it's really, we have this great opportunity to glean from people because a lot of, like, heavy hitters live here yeah. or, or come here for whatever. Um, so, yeah, there's there's kind of no, no shortage.
0: What uh, would you say, you know, so, say you're a young person right out of college and you want to make an impact right away on Santa Barbara or wherever you're going to settle. What leadership advice do you have for them in terms of how they can be most effective?
1: So I uh, I always kind of adapt this because I sometimes get invited to go to my alma mater UCSB and talk to the environmental studies uh, career class. So like I talked about, like the long term, do something you're really fired up about that you find like really intellectually engaging um, that you're gonna have fun with because you're gonna need to put in some time. <laughs> you know, like er, er, the 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 folly of youth is thinking that everything like changes so fast. I think primarily for Santa Barbara, there are people doing something probably really close, if not dead on to what you're fired up about. So like go network with them and see how you can at the very least, like learn from them, if not partner with them, you know, the, cl- the classic thing of like somebody starting a new nonprofit, right? Mm-hmm. Like go, go find the people who care about what you care about and learn from them mm-hmm. and help them. And if they're doing it wrong, then maybe, you know, you should uh, figure out something new. Um, but yeah, don't, Don't start something new, unless you really have to.
0: What do you want to say in terms of what Santa Barbara needs at this time from a leadership perspective, from a people perspective? A lot of issues going on. We have housing issues. We have environmental issues. We have business uh, revitalization issues downtown. Obviously, we think we're the center of the universe, but we're not. But at the same time, so much comes through here. What do we need right now to sort of help
1: 2020 push Santa Barbara in the direction we all want? I think we need more collective vision. And I think that the more that we can actually have some really engaging, challenging community conversations where we're not trying to repeat our talking points, but we can articulate where we want to be in the next 10 years, the more that I think we can get out of some of the kind of maybe stale debates that we have. I think Santa Barbara, what Santa Barbara needs is to be a leader again, like environmentally. You know, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary and there's this great forces of nature series that's happening right now. um, And for both Earth Day and for the environmental studies program, it's the 50th anniversary. We were nationally relevant. We helped lead a conversation that needed to happen. And environmentally, amazing things happened. You know, back 50 years ago, all these major rivers in the U.S. were, like, dead. Like, there was no life in them. There, you know, there was just all this, like, you know, air impacts. Like, you know, people couldn't breathe in, like, parts of L.A., you know, similar to, like, maybe major cities in China right now. Like, there was, like, we made, we affected change. And we haven't, <laughs> we haven't aspired to lead you know these large scale conversations like we have in the past and i think we're capable of that like i've said like we have we have so much brain power here we have people who care so deeply and are so thoughtful what i think we need is to aspire to really give a gift like santa barbara could be an incubator and a think tank on a lot of issues that could be really relevant to so many other communities and I think that that's the gift that we need to aspire to give again.
0: Great. You know, It's been great talking to you. Great conversation. Always a pleasure. Good luck yeah. to you.
1: Josh, thank you. Real pleasure.
0: Please visit www.santabarbaratalks.com for more podcasts with Santa Barbara's most interesting and influential people on a variety of topics, housing, transportation, education, and business. We'll see you next time.